Mother's Day, and I hope that um, it was a good Mother's Day for my listeners. Um, for those who have a difficult time on Mother's Day, I hope that it was bearable. Anyway, I am not here to talk about a mother. I'm here to talk about a father. A father of sorts. Um, he was uh, big, I guess he got big in the late 20s. And uh, then his influence really grew around the time of the Great Depression. Um, he was a contemporary of religious leaders like Daddy Grace, Noble Drew Ali, and Elijah Muhammad. And he declared that he was God Almighty. Starting off with just a few black followers of mostly women, he eventually convinced many white people of his inherent divinity too. He used the name Reverend Major Jealous Divine, but most know him and remember him if they know and remember him at all as Father Divine. Father Divine is thought of by many people as a cult leader. Now what makes him a cult leader and not simply a religious leader? What is the real difference? Well, I think it's because his doctrine, while based largely in Christianity, lends itself even more to new thought, which is not to be confused with new thinking. Uh, Communal living was also a huge part of his movement. Before women had the right to vote or access to birth control, Father Divine promoted equality among the genders, making his woman followers feel empowered. And, you know, so he colored way outside the confines of mainstream religion, and he was a black man in Jim Crow times who had the audacity to claim, with a straight face, that he was God. God. Who does that? Now, I'd love to talk about exactly when and where Father Divine was born. But it's, def- it's really befitting his godly status that we don't know these details definitively. His contemporaries like Daddy Grace and Elijah Muhammad have birth names and dates of birth on record. Now, according to the Jill Watts book, God Harlem USA, The Father Divine Story, the man who would be known as Father Divine was born George Baker Jr., most likely not in the Deep South, which was widely believed, but in Rockville, Maryland in a black ghetto area known as Monkey Run around May 1879. Now, author Robert Weisbrot, who wrote Father Divine in the struggle for racial equality, thought that he was born in the Reconstruction era Deep South, uh, the Carolinas, Georgia, or Virginia, around 1876 to former slaves. His mother is believed to be a former slave named Nancy Smith Baker, who died around 1897, and she stood about five feet tall but weighed 480 pounds. In the 1930s, a woman named Eliza Mayfield would claim to be the mother of Father Divine. She said that his birth name was Frederick Edwards and that he was from Hendersonville, North Carolina. Mayfield had no proof to support her claims and said that she couldn't remember his father's name. He said of her claims, God has no mother. He would be allowed to play with his background thanks to poor record-keeping for Southern black people. In his early years in the early 1900s, George Baker Jr. worked as a gardener. 
people clipped hedges and mowed the lawns of white people in Baltimore for about 25 cents a day. Clearly, George Baker wasn't in a situation where anybody would expect him to do much more than that. Many of his peers were illiterate and their opportunities were severely limited. Around 1906, Baker traveled to California where he first became acquainted with the New Thought philosophy of Charles Fillmore. New Thought, also known as Higher Thought, is rooted in ancient thought. It's essentially a positive thinking philosophy combined with the ancient wisdom of ancient Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Chinese, Taoist, Vedic, Hindu, and Buddhist cultures and related belief systems. It's pretty mainstream now with many people understanding that all is mental, thoughts become things, law of attraction, metaphysics, etc. Baker attended Baptist churches where he would sometimes preach. He encountered a Pennsylvania-born preacher of mixed-race heritage named Samuel Morris at a church meeting. Morris had been thrown out of a number of churches. Why? Well, he would preach a conventional sermon, then at the end of it, he would flip the script, stretching his arms out dramatically and loudly proclaiming, I am the Eternal Father. This caused the church members to turn on him. George Baker Jr. watched as Samuel Morris was tossed out into the street after making his outrageous claim. Baker went after him and invited Morris to seek lodging at the boarding house where he was staying across the street. After reading 1 Corinthians, which I will not read here, you can read it in your own time, Samuel Morris became convinced that he was God. George Baker thought there was something to what Morris was saying, and he became his first follower. Baker became known as the messenger, a Christ figure, while Morris took on the role of God the Father, adopting the name Father Jehovah. The messenger and Father Jehovah used to preach out of the home of Harriet Snowden. <clears throat> an evangelist from Baltimore. She accepted both of them as possessing divinity. There was a third preacher who joined Father Jehovah and the Messenger. His name was John A. Hickerson, but he called himself Reverend Bishop St. John the Vine. John the Vine shared great oratory gifts, just like the Messenger, and he believed in new thought. He did not agree, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat, that Father Jehovah was the only God there. He used 1 John 4.15 to support his claim. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he is God. The messenger pulled away from Father Jehovah and John the Vine, going solo. Samuel Morris claimed to be God. The messenger came to the realization that he himself was God. And from then on, he declared himself the Lord God Almighty, a.k.a. Reverend Major, because of his importance and strength. Jealous, because God is jealous, divine, or Father divine. He continued as a traveling minister, preaching throughout Georgia. In 1913, Father divine got arrested after getting into a dispute with local ministers and husbands of his female devotees. He was sentenced to 60 days on a chain gang. When prison officials got into a car accident, it seemed to serve as proof that Father divine might have some kind of special powers and that maybe he shouldn't be messed with. But he was arrested in Valdosta, Georgia in February of 1914, where he had amassed a following of mostly black women, as I had said before. He was arrested for being a possibly insane public nuisance. In court records, he was referred to as John Doe, alias God, because he gave no other name but God when arrested. A local writer took interest in the bizarre story, and it helped Father Divine to get released. 
He was ordered out of the state but was arrested again in a nearby town and put in the nearest insane asylum for lunacy. His sponsor came to his rescue once more and he was soon set free. In the 1920s, Father Divine founded and put together the doctrine for the International Peace Mission Movement, a mixed-race religious utopia movement. They believe the following. Father Divine is God. Heaven is a state of consciousness. Not recognizing racial differences. Unity of the world religions. Celibacy, marriage to God, and modesty, including separation of the genders. Children should be separated from parents and be raised by assigned guardians. The American flag should be honored. Worldwide use of the English language should be the way. No smoking, no drinking, no swearing, no credit or social security, and no health care, no welfare. One of his disputes with FDR had to do with the belief that welfare and social handouts would foster a dependency on the government. Father Divine also renamed his followers, which made life difficult for them when they registered to vote, which was something else that the group believed in. He named one member Meekness Faith, for example. From a home that he lived in on Macon Street in Sayville, Long Island, the International Peace Mission hosted elaborate weekly banquets where rich food was served. These gatherings included worship through singing, shouting, and testifying, and it was open to the general public. He had said that basically, and I'm paraphrasing, that a God who can't help people on earth is pretty useless. The idea was to lead an evangelical life, which his followers happily accepted. Father Divine said those who are conscious of God's presence with me would have the victory over sickness and diseases over all human limitations. Father Divine married one of his followers, a woman named Panina. There are claims that the two were married on June 6, 1882, but that would have made him either three or six at the time of the marriage if he was born in either 1876 or 1879. I don't think it's actually known when the couple married, but she was much older than he was. She also looked bigger and taller than him. Now, Father Divine was reported to stand between five foot two and five foot five, so he was a short guy. But he married her, it is claimed, because of her devotion to his cause and because he wanted to quiet the rumors that he was having sex with some of his devoted female followers. They insisted that the marriage was celibate, with Panina's virginity remaining intact. Sex was prohibited even for married people in the mission, and she was the first Mother Divine. A Father Divine sermon inspired Johnny Mercer to write the song, Accentuate the Positive, the point of the song being that positive thinking is the key to happiness. It was released in 1944 and featured in the film Here Come the Waves. It was also nominated for a 1945 Academy Award for Best Original Song. The home on Macon Street in the German neighborhood of Sayville was a hotbed of activity with the black and white followers in a constant state of celebration. Father kept his property in tip-top shape. He had white neighbors who resented the mixed-race gatherings, of course. Father Divine was dapper and flashy and enjoyed displaying his beautiful Cadillac. Many white people saw this as him flaunting his wealth during the Great Depression. How dare he live better than many white people did at this time. A young black woman, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> my throat is just not acting right today, but I'm going to get this out. A young black woman was hired by the Suffolk County 
district attorney to entice Father Divine into sexual impropriety. Unfortunately for the DA, Father Divine and his followers did not fall for this. The woman was offered nothing but food, fellowship, and an opportunity to adopt the lifestyle of the International Peace Mission. She found no immorality whatsoever, but his neighbor's harassment didn't stop. Father Divine was arrested for disturbing the peace in May of 1931. He paid $1,000 cash to bail himself out, another flagrant display of wealth at a time of unprecedented economic calamity. Six months later, the police showed up at the Saville home again with prison buses and deputies. Father Divine was given 15 minutes to disperse the crowd. He told his followers to wait silently for 10 minutes. They then handed themselves over to the police. It was a messy situation with followers giving the police the names that Father Divine had bestowed upon them instead of their government names. There were 78 people arrested, including 15 white people. Father Divine paid all the fines, which were $5 each. He used a crisp $500 bill that the court couldn't even make change for. They had $500 bills. The arrestees pled guilty to charges of disturbing the peace. One of them declared, if singing the praises of God is disorderly conduct, then I plead guilty. The press got wind of this, making Father Divine seem like a martyr for the corrupt and racist American judicial system. Most people found this whole situation amusing and ridiculous. Judge Lewis Smith, who had a reputation for being very by the book and no-nonsense, was presiding over the case. In addition to overruling all the objections that Father Divine's lawyer made, he was annoyed by the group's refusal to answer whether or not someone was white or colored. Remember, the members ignored color differences among the races. Judge Smith also found it unbelievable that white women would be following a black man. In the end, Father Divine was found guilty and was allowed to sit in jail for two weeks. He was sentenced to a year in jail and hit with a $500 fine, which was the maximum. Father Divine's followers offered him loud words of support. A short time later, Judge Smith was preparing to celebrate his 25th wedding anniversary with Mrs. Smith. The 55-year-old suddenly dropped dead of heart failure. Father Divine reacted publicly to the news of the judge's demise. I hated to do it, he declared. Many people saw this as proof that Father was indeed divine. Father Divine finished his time and upon release moved to Harlem. Many of his followers lived there. His movement bought some hotel buildings called Heavens. The members of the mission lived there at a low price and worked in the area thanks to the employment agency that Father Divine established. He was a businessman and he believed in capitalism. He established a number of businesses over the years like restaurants, hotels, and stores. All were reasonably priced and his followers were able to care for themselves and him. He became more political at this time too. Flirting with communism due largely because he liked their stand against racism. He managed to get a number of signatures to support the anti-lynching bill in 1940. In the late 1930s, scandals began to pile up. Father Divine was accused of um, having sexual relationships with young white girls. Now, another one involved a very wealthy white member of the peace mission called John the Revelator, who was accused of kidnapping a 17-year-old girl named Delight, who he renamed Virgin Mary. John said that she would birth a new redeemer via immaculate conception, although the two had a sexual relationship. Delight's family wanted to be financially compensated for the brainwashing of their daughter. 
Mission attorneys investigated the weird situation, finding no wrongdoing on the you know, part of the mission. The Lights family went on to uh, get involved with the New York Evening Journal, you know, telling them the story when they were not allotted any money from the mission. The Evening Journal was owned by William Randolph Hearst and notoriously critical of the peace mission, and they were more than happy to print the nasty details of the story. A follower known as Faithful Mary accused Father Divine of having extramarital affairs yet again with white girls and living too lavishly. She took over a large commune that the mission used in her name. A fight broke out at one of Father Divine's meetings when two process servers came in with a summons. One of them ended up getting stabbed, allegedly by Father Divine, who fled the scene and went into hiding. Verinda Brown sued Father Divine, claiming that she'd given him more than $4,400 when the mission was based in Sayville. She had left the mission with her husband and wanted her money back. He lost this case and was ordered to repay the money. He appealed the ruling and incorporated the mission in order to protect himself from similar lawsuits going forward because he figured anybody could say, okay, I gave you money, now I want it back. And he didn't want that to become a thing. Penina had become ill, and she was rumored to be on her deathbed, and there were rumors that Father Divine ignored her plight. He was publicly criticized for this, but she recovered at least for a while. Faithful Mary came back to the mission, realizing perhaps that there was nowhere else for her to go. Father Divine was exonerated of any wrongdoing that he was accused of. Penina did end up dying in either 1940 or 1943 and Father Divine moved the International Peace Mission Movement, which was dwindling in popularity, to a new headquarters in Philadelphia. On April 29, 1946, Father Divine married a 21-year-old white Canadian convert named Edna Rose Richings. She was known as Sweet Angel, Mrs. S.A. Divine, or Mother Divine. Father Divine was believed to have been in his late 60s or early 70s at the time of the marriage. She broke ties with her family in order to be a part of the mission. She proposed to him saying, I want to marry you because I know that you are God. Father Divine told followers that Edna Richings was the reincarnated spirit of his late wife, the first mother divine, Penina. Reincarnation had not previously been a part of Father Divine's doctrine before this. In fact, he used to teach that there was no afterlife whatsoever. But he changed his mind. Like his first marriage, this marriage was celibate, with Mother Divine having an assigned female disciple who was always at her side. The two married in Washington, D.C. in secret two decades before interracial marriage was legal in the United States. The followers didn't learn of the marriage until the summer of 1946, when Mother Divine's visa expired. April 29th of every year was commemorated as a time of celebration. In 1952, a $75,000 estate was purchased, located outside of Philadelphia in a location called Gladwine. The 72-acre hilltop French Gothic manor house named Woodmount was the largest in the area. Woodmount remained Father Divine's home until the man who called himself God died there on September 10, 1965. He died from the all-too-human ailments of diabetes and heart disease. Mother Divine and his followers continued living there. His living spaces continued unchanged and were made into kind of a shrine to him. 
They still wash his clothes and put food at the head of the table where he once sat. They knocked on his bedroom door before entering. They refused to accept that father was a mortal man. Mother Divine and members of the mission kept it going. And yet another bizarre story, cult leader Jim Jones, who had studied Father Divine for many years and knew him, attempted to take over the international peace mission movement after Father Divine's death. They had agreed on civil rights and integration. Jones attempted to take some of the mission's members, claiming that he was the reincarnation of Father Divine. I guess he figured if white Mother Divine was the reincarnated black Mother Divine, he could be the new Father Divine. Mother Divine wasn't having it though and banned Jones from Woodmount. Unfortunately, a few members did go with Jim Jones and ended up dead in the Guyana massacre that took place at Jonestown on November 18, 1978. The uh, 2017 documentary, Father's Kingdom, which is a really interesting thing to look at and you can see it on Tubi, uh, showed the aging and dwindling peace mission members continuing to worship Father Divine and live celibate holy lives. Like I said before, they were still fixing plates for him at the banquets. The tables were integrated and people were seated according to the color of their skin. You know, black, black, white, black, white. Even as they ignored color in other aspects of their lives. Mother Divine passed away in 2017, 52 years after her husband. She was 92 years old. She is buried on the estate with her husband, Father Divine. The mission is believed to have maybe 12 members left now. Um, it's really dwindling. Because they didn't procreate, the faith has not been passed down to future generations. And what children that were exposed to this doctrine haven't passed it on or younger generations are simply not attracted to it. Father Divine truly did it big and left behind an interesting legacy that includes a commitment to civil rights. He was even pro-reparations. Like any successful cult leader, he recognized his own divinity and encouraged others to recognize his divinity too, but not their own. He taught against health care, social security, and welfare, and that wasn't necessarily a good thing as mission members aged and got sick. But anyway, that's all I have on Father Divine and the International Peace Mission Movement. A unique group of people with a unique leader. And uh, I do recommend that uh, Father's Kingdom documentary for people who are interested in Father Divine. It's very interesting. You get to see the mission members, you know, interacting. And, you know, you get to see Father Divine's sermons. You get to experience his charisma or whatever you call that that he had. But anyway, I am Monica. This is Remembering the Misremembered. And uh, I will be seeing you soon.